Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. I am here today with Evan Wierig, and Evan, tell us a little bit about yourself. So yes. You. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, so I'm fairly new to the podcasting scene myself, kind of, <laughs> you know, we're kind of like on the same level here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I recently started a, a podcast with the ambassador from uh, Today's America, Gunnar Thorderson. Um, that podcast is uh, Freedom's Future. Uh, we've recently just moved it over to YouTube. It was exclusively over to Facebook for a time, but I think YouTube seems to be a better reach and platform for that. Um, I kind of, as far as my background, I actually uh, grew up in a very media-heavy home, and so I actually was in news for a little while, um, and then left after you know realizing that you know, there just wasn't a lot of honesty in news media and so i moved i transitioned from that into more uh screenwriting and and tv writing mainly um i actually had the last thing that i actually had fully produced was actually back in 2013 so you know huh. not too successful in that um well you know yeah. it, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success you would, in you would any think. industry <laughs> definitely in hollywood yes <laughs> exactly exactly but it's it's been a really fun road but the thing is though like the reason i kind of went over there in the first place was i figured you know what if i'm going to uh make stuff up i at least want people to know that i made it up and so <laughs> that's well, it kind of a, goes a long way yeah yeah, yeah well, it does. Integrity. i like it so yeah, so I left. I left the news uh, arena for a while, especially which was hard because it was. It's in my blood. My my dad was a field reporter for a news station oh, wow. up in Idaho, um, and uh, you know basically taught me everything I knew. Uh, did radio DJing for a while too, and you know that wasn't really. I mean, come on, I got a face that's made for the camera. Let's be honest here. Yeah, you. Um, um but yeah i mean that's that's really the the gist of who i am um and as far as my background goes i i like having things a bit more dynamic and be a bit more of a visual storyteller in that regard and so yeah yeah but as far as podcasting is concerned with the events of everything that's been going on just the last six months alone i kept feeling like you know what i've got to say something i've got to go out there on a limb and and you know, say something about what's going on here, especially from a libertarian perspective. We haven't really gotten a lot of those. That doesn't sound crazy. Um, and, right. <laughs> and so I wanted to throw that out there. And so that's when I got a hold of Gunner and, you know, mm -hmm. here we are. And how did you and Gunner meet and connect? We actually um, currently live in Utah. Um, okay. And so while I grew up in California and was exposed to the whole media shindig there, right. um, I went to Utah for work. And uh, surprisingly enough, there's actually a pretty big film scene out here. Um, yeah, and and actually... and there's a bunch of film festivals there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you got Sundance and yeah. all that fun stuff. And uh, but the thing is, though, is that we actually met over Facebook through a mutual friend. And, mm. you know, 
I, uh, you know, had this been... is the, the sunny part of uh, social media. <laughs> yes, the sunny yeah. part of the social media, the stuff that actually is supposed to happen. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so he and I connected and, and, you know, found that we agreed on a lot of things. Um, didn't agree on some things, but it wasn't enough to destroy the relationship. And so yeah. we... Uh, good healthy about... debate and discourse is good for everyone. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, what happens, you know, I reached out to him. It's like, you know what, we should start a podcast. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to bring someone else on, um, for this. And he eventually like the third person didn't really want to continue on, um, okay. after that, but it's Definitely. just really been me and Gunner for the last little while. And we've been able to make it work whenever we've been able to kind of match our schedules. <laughs> so to speak. That, that's tricky. Um, I know. <laughs> It is very tricky. We're both very busy men. And so, yeah. you know, we, whenever we try to get together, especially with what happened last week, you know, we were like, you know what, we've got to, we've got to make this work and, and everything like that. And so we're, we're slowly but surely climbing up there and getting everything ready to go. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about last week. I actually, I, I wanted to podcast from there, but there was, first of all, no reception. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and it was just pure mayhem. So it was, not really conducive to podcasting and it was really emotional too so yeah there's just a lot going on but yeah let, 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 what are your thoughts from oh your gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you and i have talked off camera at yes. nauseum about this <laughs> i i am honestly Us and 200 other people but yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but the thing is though is that like I'm, I'm just absolutely disgusted at the display of what happened i mean that you know with with the people who went into the Capitol building, it really shouldn't have happened. And there were a lot of agitators. We know for sure that there was one Antifa guy there yep. from who flew out from Utah. But as far as him being by himself or whether he was being you know, with other people, I don't know. And maybe this is just my news background, but I like things being verified three, four, five, six times <laughs> before I, 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 dive, I dive right in, in there. And when it came out, especially that the Buffalo guy was a Q... Um, was it was part of Q? I was like, oh great, <laughs> one of these guys. Like honestly, with my interactions with a lot of Q folks, like I, I haven't really, I haven't really given Q really the time of day that it really deserves. Um, mainly because they're really the only people that make libertarians on the whole look sane. And so <laughs> that's really kind of the, the thing. Like, I, I really didn't want to, to stick around or really pay any attention to them. And then to find out that these were the people that potentially, I mean, we don't know exactly for sure. No, no. We know at least one was. Yeah. Um, and there well, were, we know that one, I, I yeah. just want to clarify, though. We know yeah. one was claiming to be. We right. know very little about who this character is. He could be, yeah. he, he could be there to make you look bad. We, we don't know. Right. We really don't right. know. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, like, with all the evidence that we have right now, it's, it's you know, very like, at least the evidence is pointing that way. Yeah. And yeah. that's the and that's, you know, really the only direction that we can take is where the evidence right. is pointing us. And that's yeah. and that's what I really think. Honestly, like January 6th was really the end of the road for me. And all these you know people who are saying like, oh, it's, it's not really the end yet. It, it's over. I, I'm sorry. I, as much as I would like to say that it's not, it really is. Um, because what happened January 6th, there could have been a fight after that point. Mm -hmm. But because of what happened, mm -hmm. despite all the other instances of the Capitol being stormed and, you know, no one dying or anything like that. Right. Um, 
this this really put a tarnish on Trump's legacy. Trump had the opportunity to become like Reagan, well, and because I, of I what wouldn't. happened, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. I I mean, I I actually wouldn't liken him to Reagan. I wouldn't liken him to either Lincoln or Washington. Well, um, honestly, I probably would have compared him more to Coolidge. <laughs> but you know, well, as far as like our modern political scape, people recognize Reagan more. I, than I get there, that. So. I I think I'm a little bit older than you, so I have oh, a. Probably. I I used to have such a. A sunny kind of, uh, and not to say that I have a negative, uh, you know, a view of Reagan at this point, but I feel like Reagan said a lot of nice things and yes. his speeches were beautiful, a lot of which he didn't write, some of which he did. Mm -hmm. um, but we, now that I know more of what he actually did and the impact that it's had uh, thereafter for this country, you know, it wasn't all wonderful yes. you know yeah um whereas i think so much not to say that trump was perfect obviously he wasn't right, right, <laughs> um, right. and nobody is he's human <laughs> I, I, that that's one of the things i argue with people a lot you know i'm like he's one man mm -hmm. and he's not god you know right um, and he's done a lot of great things but i i guess i see him like lincoln the times are there's a lot of parallels in the times yes. and washington the 1776 that i'm seeing a lot of parallels you know so yeah. Those are, but yes, I understand in the modern. I, I can, I can understand that, but most people would would connect it more to Reagan because let's face it, like you hear about Lincoln in history books and and Washington and all that, and right. you know that's that's great. But the thing is that a lot of the times people like to have that physical connection, and most people who Some, are someone voters, they live through, yeah, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of what happened last week on the sixth, yeah. he's more than likely going to have the legacy of Nixon, and that's what really upsets me. or worse or worse my, yeah. so my fear i think that and, and i'd love your to hear your take on this but my fear is not that okay well you know they're going to tarnish him in the media they've already done that you know they're yeah. going to say they're going to uh paint his character negatively they've already done that they they're going to say all these horrible things that's fine they've already done it and that doesn't i, mean, I don't want to say it means nothing but to me it means nothing I, mm. I don't really care. I look at his actions, you know, I don't have to, I'm not having dinner with the man, you know, like I like right. what he's done for this country. Um, so, you know, that's really what I look at. What, what, and he may be a wonderful person too. You know, I don't, I don't interact with him on a day-to-day -day basis. So I can't right. speak to that, but I can say that things that he's done for this country, I really appreciate and think we're, you know, really favorable. Uh, oh. My concern is that I don't think we're looking at the just a stolen election, which is bad enough. But it's not just a stolen election to a Democratic uh, candidate. I, we're really looking at the completion of a coup and a yeah. color revolution. And that, to me, is horrifying, truly horrifying. The potential ramifications of having our Constitution overthrown, having our government overthrown, being taken over by a potential totalitarian regime, mm -hmm. the consequences of that you know, it's not just, oh, I don't like the man in the White House. Like, that's that to me means very little. You know, right. I don't have to like him. But what it means for our lives and for the future of this republic and the future of the free will of humanity. Now, those things I care about. What are your thoughts yeah. on all that? Yeah, it, it's very, it, it is something very much to care about. And that's something that I honestly very much worry about as well. Honestly, like as far as Biden is concerned, the man was ineffectual as vice president. Like, at least as far as the business of the country was concerned, right. the man's corrupt as all hell, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the as far as his effectuality, as, 
his effectiveness as a president, I think he'll probably end up being the same. It'll still be the same pay for play type deals. People will, especially on the left, will start gradually going to sleep and all of a sudden start minimizing the atrocities of the president after four years of screeching about it incessantly. And what worries me is that because of the man's age and the fact that he's lived through two brain aneurysms, the man really isn't fit to be president. He wasn't fit to run. Right. And the only reason why he did was because of the Ukraine call in 2019. That's the only reason why he was propped up as the front runner. Right. And, you know, and, and, and it led to the whole bogus impeachment hearing last year around this time. And honestly, like the entirety of what Biden represents is just corruption and the establishment. What really worries me, though, is Kamala Harris. Now, Kamala, she still hasn't really addressed any of the things that she did as attorney general of California. In fact, she still hasn't so given up her Senate seat. By yeah. The way. yeah. <laughs> like, and that, and that kind of lends credence to a lot of the conspiracies. Like they know something's going on. They know it's like, well, maybe, I don't know. But again, I get, this probably is like, you know, cause I like, you know, when I ever, I practice journalism, I like having those journalistic ethics right. and having everything verified you know, well, the one thing I will say about that, though, and I, I perfect, I really respect it. I hear, yeah. you know, and I like having tangible, solid evidence. I'm that yeah. kind of person. Um, but I will say that we are living in times where when something is verified, it means that it is it's solid and it's been around for a while. Yeah. You know, and we're living in times where like an hour old news is old news. Yeah. And so things aren't going to always be, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're not, that something's not happening. It just means we don't have the evidence of it at the time. Right. That's not to say that there's not a lot of disinfo. We know there's a lot of disinfo. So mm -hmm. that being said, I just want to say that, that, you know, it's, it's a strange time and it's a strange yeah. time for journalism because it's unprecedented. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, and that's the thing is like the journalism industry has really taken a, a huge hit as far as trustworthiness. I mean, right now, they are probably the least trustworthy entity outside of Congress. And Congress, I think, has like barely double-digit approval <laughs> rating. I, I'm, I gonna, I'm gonna go with the negative double-digit, maybe? Zero or negative? Oh <laughs> man. There are actually some people who do approve. Who think who would have thought? I oh. but I mean, well, I don't know. Are, are we using Dominion numbers on that way? <laughs> I, I think yeah, yeah, good, good point. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's the, and that's really the, the problem is that especially over the last four years, and it's been longer than four years. Way longer. And, uh, and all of that. I mean, I mean, I remember like in, in 2012 with the Aurora movie theater shooting mm -hmm. where all like, uh, like the guy who claimed to be the Joker and had like this purple hair and everything mm -hmm. like that. Like yeah. it was, you know, but the thing is though, is that they tried pinning it on the tea party. Right. And it was not even connected to the Tea Party at all. It was just this, this is why I say guy. be careful of like yeah. this one guy representing Q. Because even if yeah. let's just hypothetically say this guy was a Q shaman, he was mm -hmm. you know Q everything. I mean, it's one person. And why is it that when the left has a couple of agitators burning down buildings, killing people, right. oh well, they don't represent us. But one guy who says he's a Q whatever that mm. represents all Trump supporters. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, it's important to separate Q from MAGA's. And, and the thing is, though, too. Well, and it's also important to separate one guy who claims yeah. he's a Q fan, like, from all right. Q people, you know? Right. Yeah. It, like, the, the thing that really kind of really 
got my eyebrows raising as far as like Q and, and everything like that was a lot of the bloodlust when the word came down that the, uh, that the capital was under siege. And there was a lot of people in that group, like that 200 plus group that we're a part of that were like, burn it all down. I want to see blood. And I was like, Whoa, dude, like <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, no, no. let's tone it I down. I don't want to see blood. That, that's I don't either. I, I, I'd like to see, I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I've definitely had fantasies of some arrest. But yeah, you know that's not blood. But you know, I want I want justice. I want people I want accountability. Think. That's what exactly. I want. I want accountability. Absolutely. And, and the thing is that you know justice justice isn't vengeance. You know we're right. we're not no. you know we're not we shouldn't be seeking out for blood. And that's really one of the things that really attracted me to libertarianism to begin with, yeah. was the fact that you know we're we're not supposed to be seeking for blood. We're not going to run away from a fight. Hell, we'll even finish it if we have to. But yeah. we're not going to throw the first punch. Absolutely. And that's really. And I think conservatives kind of absolutely agree with that as well. Yeah. I, you know that that's always been the premise. The second Second Amendment, the principles of it mm -hmm. is that it is for defense. It is not an offensive unless it's right. military action. You know, and even then, uh, the, this country has almost always operated on, you know, with the, with some exceptions, but mostly, you know, we operate on defensive. It's to protect the mm -hmm. country, have a strong military, so strong. And this Trump has definitely, yeah. uh, you know, been a, a, you know, somebody who promulgated. He have a military that's so strong that you don't need to use it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, and that's one of the things like people want to say, like, well, how do we stop Trump, uh, someone like Trump rising in? I can give you exactly why. Do not prop up another Bush, McCain or Romney. If you do that, <laughs> then there will inevitably be another Trump. All right. That's that's really what happened is that the moment they tried to push up uh, McCain, especially. Oh, my gosh, John McCain. <laughs> oh yeah. man yeah. um and then mitt romney I, i'm sorry like i i will fully out uh throw this out there i am a latter-day saint i belong to the same church mm -hmm. that mitt romney does but i think wow. the guy's a yeah. prick all right well, like <laughs> well he has zero integrity I, he really he, doesn't he, at best he's a coward at worst he's you know he, he has zero integrity. Well, I mean, he, he has the spine red made of rubber, and that's putting it very kindly. Yes, I agree. Um, and the thing is, what really turned me off from him, and I'm actually ashamed that I voted for him in 2012 against Barack Obama, because in all reality, it was Romney's to lose. And he lost it because he screwed the pooch, especially for me in particular, during that second debate. I don't know if you remember, but there were two instances. Mm -hmm. One was when he... Uh, you know, when he was asked, you know, Obamacare was uh, heavily based off of Romneycare in Massachusetts. Why do you think Romneycare is constitutional while Obamacare was not? He just kind of hemmed and hawed and danced around the subject. It's a it very is. simple answer, Mitt. Yeah. It's the 10th Amendment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the second was when Candy Crowley pulled a... Um, uh, what was it? Basically, um, she jumped into the fray with uh, with Barack Obama and started debating him at the uh, at made, debating Romney at the same time. Um, Chris Wallace, that's who it was. She pulled a Chris Wallace, yeah. and uh, you know, and that's the thing is that it really just turned me off. The fact that he didn't even have, like, at the very least, a quip ready. I was like, I'm sorry, Candy. I didn't realize I was debating two people, and I would have prepared an extra 15 minutes. I, yeah, that's all I love when Trump said that. That was awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> that, all that he would have had to say. Yeah. And the thing is that he he completely endeared it. And the, and the thing is, is that both McCain and Romney thought that they could court the media 
all the way to the White House. And the thing is, is that Obama's ratings in 2012 were so low that it really was Romney's to lose. And he screwed the pooch by basically backing down, especially after what many considered was a stellar debate performance for the first debate, and then just waffled for the second and third debate. It was so bad. It was so atrocious. And... You know, and even then, there were allegations of election fraud occurring then. And that's what kind of really opened my eyes and kind of saw the parallels between 2020 to what we saw in 2012. But again, because Romney conceded out of niceness, mm-hmm. um, didn't really feel the need to really even pursue any of them. And, you know, all of a sudden, we're seeing the very same things happen on a much grander scale. Yeah. In those very same locations, it, it was. It's actually interesting. There is Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania were the big three in 2012. Right. Well, they're the big swing states, so yeah. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing it happen in Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada as well. Yeah. Hmm. There's something going on here. Like coincidence. <laughs> absolute coincidence. No, totally. there's nothing to see here. No. But I mean, it's it's absolutely disheartening to kind of see you know, especially the the Republican Party of Romney and McCain just waffle and fold like this. Oh, we must come together. We must reach across the aisle. I'm sorry. These people have been walking all over your asses for the last 50, or like, yeah, 50 years. Absolutely. And you're doing nothing about it because you want to be the nice guy. I'm sorry. We need to start playing their game. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that that is one of the the biggest things that uh, that's come to light in through this whole election cycle mm-hmm. is what backstabbers and betrayal uh, the GOP has been. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, you know, they they support it because they support the ideas of the right, but that doesn't mean they support the GOP or the Republicans. And the Republicans certainly have shown that they don't support America. Well, and the thing is, is that and that's not all of them, but yeah, a lot lot of them, you know, it's not, but those, but those moderate Republicans, I'm sorry, but you're not moderate, you're progressive light, you're neocons, which is essentially another form of authoritarianism. Absolutely. You know, which which is on the left. I mean, these people who tell me that fascism is on the right, I'm like, no, it's totalitarianism. That is on the left. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, and here's the thing. Here's another thing that really just makes the United States such an incredible place is that we completely, like, you know, the four quadrants of the political spectrum, right? Before the, um, before the American experiment even began, it was just the top two. Yep. Like, you had the left and the right, but they were both uh, ultra-authoritarian because on the European side of things, that's all they knew. All, all they knew was monarchies and, yep. you know, all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, the American experiment uh, begins, and we have a lot more of what would, sh- you know, what is the real term of liberal society, yep. where people were actually free. We had no kings, mm-hmm. and we actually, you know, have a constitution in place that places limits mm-hmm. on the government. At least that's how it's supposed to work. Yes. And, you know, and so that's that's essentially what happened. But unfortunately, as time has gone on, especially over the last 60 years, like I would say since uh, JFK's election, um, there's yep. been a push more toward the authoritarian side of things as far as those who have been elected. And those who are more libertarian either get brushed off as crazies or are not even recognized at all. And that's what's really kind of disheartening about the current political system. And they've been allowed to basically shred the Constitution on both the authoritarian left and right mm-hmm. for, for decades. 
Yep. And they really, I would would say all authoritarianism really is the left. It's yeah, it really is totalitarianism. They just like to, they like to pin it on the right because that's part of the rules for radicals, right? Whatever, whatever your enemy is, you, you tell, you call them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and that's really kind of the, the major issue here is that, you know, we, we ought to start paying attention to what they do and the sources that they read, not necessarily to, yes, um, really good point. The sources they read. Uh, So, I, I saw this with uh, Obama as a really good example. People kept telling me, well, he's so moderate. And, and I said, he has outright said he's a mentor. I know. <laughs> you can't even contain your laughter. Moderate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He outright said that his mentor is Saul Alinsky. Nobody mm. who's a disciple of Saul Alinsky is moderate. No. It just, the two cannot be in the same sentence. No. But the same goes for, you know, Clinton. And I didn't even know it at the time, but Clinton's mentor was Carol Quigley. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. it, we need to pay attention to these things. Not look at the, the pretty eloquent speeches they give, because that's acting, that's orating. And the job is for it to be palatable to the masses. They're trying to yeah. win your vote. They're trying, they're trying to con you. I mean, yeah. that is part of the job, right? When you get up on stage, you want to win over the audience so you can get their vote. But pay attention to what they say outside of that pretty speech, you know? Well, and, that, and that's part of what was Trump's appeal, to be quite honest. Is yeah. That oh, yeah. He was, he's not a great communicator. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the one thing that he and the Gipper do not have in common at all. <laughs> you know, Reagan was called the great communicator for a reason. Yeah. Um, he was essentially our version of he Winston was- Churchill. He was um, an actor. Yeah. Yeah, he was an actor. Um, and while Trump, you know, was you know, was a TV personality by the time he ran originally in 2012. He was a TV um, personality, not an actor. Yeah. He yeah, played he himself. A TV pers- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what happens with reality reality TV. Exactly. <laughs> um seriously, it always boggles my mind that there's writers for reality TV, but that's there's casting thing. calls for reality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an actress, I know. Yeah. They kept sending me like, my manager would be like, Do you want to go for this? I'm like why am I auditioning for reality TV? It's reality, <laughs> right? right? Like, right? Where, why am I auditioning for this? Uh, but, yeah. but in any case, like he, he doesn't. He's not very polished in the way that he speaks, and that, and that, unfortunately, is like if you've done business, like with a lot of actual CEOs and business people, especially those who are from like the the yuppie eighty type people. Yeah. Um, that's how they speak, especially if you're from Long Island. That's that's just. That's the language. That's the lexicon. Yep. And it really turned a lot of people off. Hell, it turned me off originally in 2016. And actually when he, um, I, I actually registered as a libertarian before he ran, but I was like, you know what? There's no way I'm going to vote for this guy, mainly because of the rhetoric and you know all this other stuff. But he pleasantly surprised me with what he actually did do. Yes. I mean- I mean, I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in San Diego, you know, mm-hmm. about half an hour away from the Mexican border. I've seen what goes on down there. Yeah. I know exactly what goes on down there. And it's not just Mexicans or, or people from South America coming over. We've got Middle Eastern coming We forget sometimes. And this was a huge news story for about nine months after 9-11 that the people who were responsible, that about two of the pilots that were responsible for flying the planes mm-hmm. actually came in through the Mexican border mm-hmm. and learned to fly at a college just about 10 not miles north of San Diego po- proper. Wow. Like that was what was huge news in the San Diego area for like nine months after 9-11. Yeah. And I don't and, know that I knew that. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Huh. I mean, I mean, I was I was like 14, 15 years old at the time. But right. the thing is, is that that was huge news and no one would really stop talking about it. None of the teachers would stop talking about it. Uh, none of my friends stopped uh, talking about it. Right. And my dad, you know, even though he's a news guy and he's not anymore, but he's still a political junkie himself. And he's uh -huh. like, this was nuts. Um, but yeah, not a lot of people knew that. And they didn't know that these kinds of people were going through our poorest southern border. And there's a whole bunch of different issues that are going on. I mean, let's face it. We have, uh, you know, the, the Trumpers have uh, the Make America Great Again. Why in the world shouldn't there be a Make Mexico Great Again? Right? Why shouldn't there be? But the, but the reason for that is that, you know, because of all the political cor uh, uh, corruption and unrest and everything like that, they have a pressure release valve down there. Right. And so whenever, you know, things start getting a little bit too out of hand, they send out these pamphlets, hey, go to America. And it ends up, you know, quelling that unrest for a time until they have to, okay, well, let's release the pressure again. We don't have that here. Right. All right? the, and the pressure, especially of what we saw last week is mounting. And I don't necessarily know, like, where would we go if they do have a pressure release valve? There is no pressure release valve. And what really scares me, what really worries me is that, you know, if things do escalate to that point again, or even escalate to the point where there is an actual civil war, I don't know what kind of outcome there will be. Yes, there will be a few veterans that will come to the, you know, the side of liberty and, and everything like that. But there, there's just as many veterans that want government control, that want socialism, that want communism. And that just boggles my mind, That's especially horrifying. with a lot of the things that they have experienced in, you know, Vietnam, World War II, yeah. Iraq and other places where there's been armed conflict. Wow. I, I, what, what makes you say that there are just as many veterans who really want uh, communist or totalitarian regime? Well, a lot of the, well, admittedly, a lot of those who uh, who actually do are actually up the higher ranking officials. You know, we've had the generals. I, I've, heard like I've heard that. I've heard that. But I think that's more corruption. They're looking for payouts yes. and buyouts and, yeah, yeah. personal so, gain. I, yeah. I spent quite a bit of time at Camp Pendleton um, okay. as a kid. Yeah. And... You know, and, and I'm not I'm not an army brat or, or anything like that. I just had a lot of friends who were. And a lot of those uh, friends who ended up joining the Marines or even went to MCAS Miramar to join the Air Force, yeah. um, you know, they it was during the Bush era. And they were so disgusted with what Bush was doing that they were all in for Obama. And then when Trump came onto the scene, even though he was ironically, you know, because they're cousins and they're part right. of the same camp essentially, but yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as Trump came onto the scene, because they were so all in for Obama, um, they're like the man, the man's a menace. And, you know, admittedly there are some that, you know, were so, you know, there are very much pro America that, you know, if the president does well for the military, they do well for the American people on the whole, that they're going to throw their weight behind him. And, and so it's, it's going to be very interesting that if there is a civil war that comes about, those veterans that, you know, were more for Obama than they were for Trump, I don't necessarily know where they're going to fall because I, I, I honestly worry that it may end up coming to the point where because the right, let's face it, the right is not nearly as organized as the left is, particularly when it comes to things like Antifa. There, we may end up getting stomped. That's, that's part of my worry there. Wow, that that's a really scary uh, thought. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm hearing it that it, it, there's validity. 
but it's really scary. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I have to process this. Yeah. Um, well, and it's a lot to process because let's is. face it. I mean, like when, when it came to January 6th, okay. Yeah. You know, and people stormed the Capitol, there were more people who were caught up in the moment. Mm-hmm. And because of like maybe at most 50 independent actors right. um, that went in, I mean, let's face it. I mean, Ashley Babbitt, the, the air, uh, the air force veteran that yeah. lost her life. Yeah. Um, she was one of those people that ended up getting caught up in the moment. Yes. Um, and let's face it. We weren't exactly organized. There was no game plan. People just kind of like after they broke, uh, after I, they walked I, when you the watch the videos, lines, I mean, it's like all these people with their cameras kind of like looking around and like, yeah, it's like, like now what? Really? Somebody <laughs> just lost their life. Why, why are we treating yeah. it like a scene from a movie? I mean, exactly. that's really, I, I've seen like scene from movies. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Meanwhile, like you have things like Antifa and like all the agitators from this past summer alone right. who are going around, they're marching along in the streets and then all of a sudden like riots start breaking off and there was an actual plan of attack yeah. to take down the police precinct in, in Minneapolis. They are very organized, yeah. far more organized than we are. And that's, again, what worries me is that, you know, despite the, the value and the fervor that we may have, if we're not organized, we may end up losing. And, th- and that's a really, uh, that's something I think a lot of people on the right need to recognize is yeah. that, you know, we, you know, we say, you know, we may, you know, stock up on guns and ammo. Okay. Well, what now? What, what's right. our training? What's, what's, our, our avenue? What's our plan of defense? What's our strategy here? Right. And there is none. Meanwhile, Antifa has been basically... I, I've heard they've been training with ISIS, actually. I've yeah. heard they've been training with ISIS, which is also horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, well, would you, would you bring up an interesting point about uh, the military have, and how they're, especially the higher rankings, and yeah. I've read articles about this, and I've, I've heard inside sources talk about this as well, Um, And what I've actually heard is uh, that Trump did want to, and this is just hearsay, but it is from people who are close to the Trump administration, um, that he actually did want to invoke the Insurrection Act and there just wasn't enough support. And that if you, he can invoke it, but if the uh, military isn't willing to execute it, it doesn't matter. Um, Right. It's the same uh, thing with martial law. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I, I've heard, and I know there's lots of rumors, you know, circulating and, you know, I, I don't claim to have like the <laughs> confirmation. I'm, I'm not privy to that. Um, I don't know that any of us would be, but you know, I, I'm not putting that, you know, the no stamp of seal on this. Right. Um, but what, <laughs> yeah, just, just that I have heard a lot of people talk about it and it has been circulating. But what I have heard is that supposedly he did sign it. And that there are military generals who are fighting him because they they have their own interests. They're saying, okay, yeah. we don't want you. And they're bribing him, that they're bribing him to go to war because, you know, they benefit from that. And they're bribing him for, you know, deals like, you know, payoff mm-hmm. deals. And again, I don't know this to be true. This is rumors circulating. Um, but I would believe it, to be really honest. It, and that's pretty yeah. scary. Oh, especially with like the whole issue with Vinman last year, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. The uh, 
a lot of those top military people, you're right, they stand to benefit whenever there is some kind of armed conflict going on. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people are saying, well, that's why we went into Iraq in 2003. That's why all these different wars that Obama started in Libya, Afghanistan, Syria um, occurred under Obama. And let's face it, these are people that get rich off of blood, and it's absolutely sickening. It is. It's truly horrifying. So this kind of brings me back to that question. You know, when I was saying my big fear personally mm -hmm. is not just that, you know, all the good that Trump has done will, you know, be tainted. My worry is that he will go down as the president that lost the republic. In, and that's, you know, presupposing that we believe that we still have a republic. Uh, right. You know, that, that that's debatable as well, because, you know, there's a lot of evidence that points that, you know, that's more of a facade at this point. So he could he could be the president, you know, let's just hypothetically say in the next nine days, who either restores the republic, uh, saves or restores, or the president who lost the republic. And if this republic goes, this is just my personal belief. I don't believe that it's just about this country. I really believe no. that we stand for freedom and we stand for the free will of humanity. And if mm -hmm. we go, the rest of the world goes and it really is a battle for the survival of humanity. Right. So well, what are your thoughts on that? And what, where can we go? Well, I'm nowhere, really. I mean, you, you brought up a very interesting point and actually reminded me of... Um, when Reagan was uh, was stomping for Barry Goldwater in the in the '68 election, you probably saw this video. Many of our of the viewer viewers have probably seen this video. It's in the it's on the Reagan Foundation YouTube channel, and but uh, Reagan gives this speech, um, and in it he relates a story where he and a friend were talking to this Cuban immigrant, and they were and the immigrant was talking about the atrocities of Cuba's Castro or Castro's Cuba, excuse mm -hmm. me, um, and. Uh, you know, the friend turns to, to Ronald and says, you know, we don't know how lucky we are. The immigrant kind of became indignant. It's like how lucky you are. I had somewhere to run to. And that's a, a very scary thought. I mean, God, I like you mentioned, where do we go? We have nowhere to go. I mean, I, I have family in Canada, too. And honestly, I feel like the, the son of Pierre Trudeau should go away <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with yeah um i i will not dignify him by calling him by his actual name he is the son of pierre trudeau to me um but uh he like honestly like the only reason why people outside of canada um and those who are like uber left in canada yeah. um or not those uber left in canada really care for him is because you know he is woke but in all actuality, like when he came into office, um, the Canadian dollar was, dollar was actually stronger than the American dollar. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the, the economy's in shambles. There's unrest actually growing in Toronto and Quebec. Um, there was actually a martial law instituted in Quebec just a few days ago. I know. And, that's horrifying. And they're yeah. using COVID as the reason. Yeah. I, I, look, uh, a virus? We're going to institute martial law because there's well, a virus? Right. And the thing is, is that the, well, oh, yeah. and a bit as a side note, the more we learn about the virus, the more we realize this really wasn't that big of a deal to begin with. No. Um, and, but in all actuality, what's really disheartening is that a lot of people are saying, well, there's just as many, if not more freedoms in Canada. No, there's not. There's not. No. 
that that's a fallacy and canada is usually about 10 years ahead of us with the socialist agenda oh yeah yeah well and the thing is though is that they still bend the knee to the queen we so do. you know <laughs> take that as you will yep. um but the uh but that's the the major issue is that like they they honestly feel like they have this uh the their finger on the pulse of what you know the rest of the world is going to be like i'm sorry but trudeau is really nothing more than a sycophant in his own right he the last time there was a major election called he his party actually lost the majority in their parliament yep. and you know by the time he actually calls for an election to be uh for a new prime minister he's more than likely gonna lose and honestly, he's also the man who don't forget who who was touting how uh COVID was the perfect opportunity for the great reset right yeah oh man it, like the, great the, the supposed conspiracy theory by the way the great uh, reset is just, oh that's just hogwash conspiracy, just conspiracy theory. theory it's right on the front page of yeah. the world economic forum no like, conspiracy exactly and and that's the thing right out there in the talk- open we want to right. talk about things that you know are actually conspiracies. Okay, fine. Let's talk about things that are actually conspiracies. But don't just be- call something that you don't agree with and you don't like talking about a conspiracy, especially when things have actually turned out to be right regarding it. Exactly. I'm sorry, but you know, the there's term, so many things. The, the term conspiracy uh, theorist actually uh, was coined by the the CIA, and mm-hmm. it was weaponized in 1967. Yep. And and it was weapon. It was basically just a variation of Herbert Marcuse's liberating tolerance. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it now. Because that's anytime anybody, especially on the left, wants to shut down a conversation. I've experienced it so many times. You know, I start saying something they don't agree. You're a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, all right. Call me conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's like calling somebody racist. It doesn't mean anything. It anymore. doesn't mean anything anymore. No, and and that's and that's a really big problem. Is that like they're calling people all these different names, like conspiracy theorists? Okay, fine. So why don't you actually let that conspiracy and actually disprove that conspiracy? Oh well, I don't really need to do that. You just need to educate yourself. Okay, um, sunlight is the be- is the best disinfectant. Let's get that out of the way right now. <laughs> I mean, we've we've seen that happen, like with sunlight being the best disinfectant when it came to the. 9-11 truth movement when it came to chemtrails mm-hmm. the um jfk assassination and even with the moon landing those are probably yeah, the yeah. biggest four of the conspiracy theorists oh this didn't actually happen no sorry there's just so many different things that actually did happen i mean right. oh well jet fuel can't melt steel beams they weren't melted they were bent have you ever watched any kind of like blacksmith work come on um but, you know, meanwhile, you have all these people being deplatformed. I mean, uh, Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos in, 2000, in 2018. Um, Trump you can't even just, get early Alex Jones videos. Like, they're, no. just, they're gone. They're like, they're like wiped from archives. They're yeah. Gone. And that's what's really scary. It's like, I'm sorry. If something is a conspiracy, you let it bake in the sun. You don't hide it away. Because then that only lends credence to that conspiracy. And people are more exactly. likely to believe it than you. Exactly. You let it come to light and then people will see, oh, this is bogus. If if it's really such a a outlandish concept and such an outlandish theory, then let it reveal itself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you're just giving credence to it by hiding Mm -hmm. it. So speaking of which, Twitter (laughs) uh, took down 60,000, 60,000 accounts. That's insane. At this rate, it's going to be millions by the end of the week. Yeah. 
Well, I'm I'm glad that it hasn't necessarily happened to my account as of yet. <laughs> Although I've been, I don't I, think I have enough of a following for that to I, happen. I probably to me, don't but. either. I probably don't either. But I've been kind of like, okay, how far can I go before they finally actually kick me off? <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's test these waters. Yeah. Test it out. Um, I know a lot of people are saying it's like a badge of honor now. <laughs> yeah, oh, you've been deep off from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and that's honestly like it's it's probably a lot of people who have actually been banned from Twitter, but also a lot of people who are trying who are moving well at least before they got shut down parlor and uh and i guess now gab and telegram um because all of these you know different social media companies that are popping up like i'm sorry like okay so people were like well if you don't want if you don't like our terms of service then go ahead and make your own platform okay we'll go ahead and do just that no not like that don't do that way i was like oh geez really and the and the thing is, is that well it, it it reminds me of the whole covid conversation follow right. the science wait no not that science follow this that. science <laughs> right uh okay <laughs> you mean the science that you keep flip-flopping on great great yeah that that sounds like science to me yeah oh man but you know it's it's, it's exactly the kind of thing and the thing is though is that like you know these entire corporations like all these people who are who are pushing for this and celebrating the censorships that's that's taken place not just now but also over the last few years yeah it's like well they're private companies like okay well first off um under section 30 no well and and that's yeah and section 230 like they they're given the permission to act as publishers and curate content no uh, they're given the permission to platforms they're they're not publishers they're they're net neutrality platforms they're not publishing agents they're the opposite and this is actually something that's interesting about parlor because uh they were defending section 230 so Mm -hmm. in a way not to say that i I think they will survive they'll find a new uh aws you know they'll they'll figure this out um and hopefully they'll revive and it'll just be you know a little bit of downtime but you know in just on principle they Mm -hmm. stood behind section 230 which they shouldn't have you know and their argument was that you can compete well you can't compete when you can't compete when the you know technocrats are Mm -hmm. controlling the platform on which you're competing right that that takes away the the free market you no longer have a free market. So right. the thing about Section 230 is that, and, and I've had this argument with so many people, is that so a publishing agent, like you were saying, a publishing agent would be like the New York Times right. or the Epic Times, right? You know what you're going to get when you go to both. They've been edited. They've been filtered. There's a specific viewpoint that is allowed on there. They have full purview to say, I reject that. That doesn't agree with our, you know, right. with our line of thinking. But the analogy with the Section 230, if you take something like Twitter, it's supposed to be like a telephone or like a, a true internet search, not a, a Google town search. square. Yeah, a town a square. Town That's square. a great analogy. And it's supposed to be like if I were to write a text, Twitter is like a text to somebody, only mm-hmm. it's a public town square. Exactly. And right. that's what people don't understand. It's not a private company if you have net neutrality privileges. Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's the thing is that it's supposed to be like the town square, like the like the public square doctrine yeah. is what it's supposed to be. And the thing is, right. the, fa- the fact that they're curating all this content and then stopping other uh, avenues for that content to be created, yeah. it's really just kind of just shows that they are more powerful than the government because of the protection that the government well, gave them. And I, I, and I think that they are... Uh, 
colluding with the government to be oh, yeah. very honest you know there's i think they've gotten government money i i think they're cia money and i think that they're they're a right arm they're using it to collect information for the government yep. i felt that way about facebook when it first came out and i remember this is everybody crazy conspiracy theorists i'm like <laughs> just saying i don't know yeah. i did say this 15 years ago but <laughs> and i mean i i'm i am totally complicit i'm on facebook you know so I'm part of the problem. I'm very aware of that. And well, know, that, I wouldn't necessarily me. say part of the problem because really, where else can you go? They're shutting yeah. down everything. Else. They, yes, and they're a, a. So not only are they violating Section 230 privileges, but they're violating antitrust laws. Yeah, yeah, because they exactly. really are a monopoly, and they should be broken up. Well, kind of along those lines, Parler has actually sued Amazon because I of what saw they that. Did. I, and I, that I, was. I honestly think they ought to win on that one because they, they're well, really if the courts no will hear it, if the courts oh will hear it, gosh. that, yeah, I, I kind of laughed when they did. I was like, you know, on face, I love that they did it because it was such a, it, it was such mm -hmm. a good statement, but will the courts hear it? Yeah. Well, that, and that's the problem is that will the courts hear it? And honestly, I, I also think kind of along those same Brown's kind of taking a step back to Trump. Yeah. I think he has grounds to to sue Twitter for and Facebook for removing um, his profile on both. Without a doubt. Yeah, especially because of that ruling from the Second Circuit from a couple years ago. Um, you know, they said, okay, well, he's a public official. He can't block anyone. Okay, if he can't block anyone, you can't block him. Exactly. <laughs> and these people who are just who are like, you know, supporting this. If they, they're fools if they think that they're not coming next. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I think people don't understand is, and this is just, you know, a, it's testament to the, the downfall of the education system. Because when you study history, the first thing they do is censor free censor. speech. And that, what, but what comes not too long after is killing people. I mean, mm -hmm. it's genocide. This is not just oh, well, now I can't say what I want on Twitter and I can't post a picture of me and my dog. That's right. not what this is about. And I know I sound histri histrionic and melodramatic, but you look at Nazi, Nazi Germany, 1933, you know, mm -hmm. like that, that is exactly what they did. Yeah. You know, it's the First Amendment, then the Second Amendment, then Third and Fourth, and then, then comes the concentration camps and the gulag. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, though, is that like the, and this is, it's absolutely ridiculous like people don't realize that the people who censor have always been on the wrong side of history always they, always and it's so ironic because the people who are saying they, they have been for the past year saying you don't want to be on the wrong side of history the whole blm movement haven't you heard that like way oh, more yeah. times the next person who says it i really i'm gonna be like i want to punch <laughs> you you know like yeah, yeah. And, and i just keep thinking really have you actually studied history because you would know you're on the wrong side. Though the people who censor are always on the wrong side, right? And that and that's the uh, they they just they don't get it. They don't understand because they don't know history. And this is the really disheartening thing about our education system. Not just higher education because those are easy targets. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, but yeah. also with primary and secondary education. Yep. I mean the you know the in some ways those the are things more that we're looking. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the school system, like, again, I'm going to go to California because that's my experience here. And they're, they're the worst, um, I think. I think. Oh, they, they are among the worst, for sure. Because, 
like throughout the entire time of my you know schooling and education in california there were all these different little philosophies that were thrown in there in like math class and english yeah it's like okay um we're supposed to be learning about the quadratic equation here and you're talking about racism Uh, how how? (laughs) why like i i I just i didn't understand it there but the thing is though is that like that's the kind of the mentality and it's gotten to the point now where like they're they're saying that one or two plus two equals five now i i i they are legit doing that. Like okay, that's that's see. that's 1984, straight out of 1984. Straight out of 1984. I know my 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 tagline. I, I saw somebody with a shirt that said "Make Make Orwell Fiction Again." Yeah, I'm like that. That's my tagline. <laughs> like really, please, please make, make it Orwell fiction again. fiction again. Yeah, like because that's that's exactly it. Like they're and they tried to justify it with two I, plus and two I don't plus understand five. how. What what is their justification? How like, how is two plus two five? Oh, like. Like they were talking about, I was like, so if we're just adding the the two full numbers, yes, it's two plus two equals uh, four. However, we don't necessarily know if the if there's any decimal points or any fractions after them. So yeah, for all intents and purposes, two plus two could equal five. Like, okay, the only way that that would actually work is if we knew what actual additional digits were added to right. that uh, formula. So if, if it was two point five and two point five, well yeah, then it'd be five. Yeah. But- <laughs> Yeah, but two, but two plus and two, two is four. Four. <laughs> Sorry, it, it, well, it's. I feel like Picard. There are four lights. I. <laughs> oh man. I, I'm like enthusiastic. I can't even wrap my head around this. It's it's so mind-boggling to me. Yeah. It's mind-boggling <laughs> that they have the audacity to put this forth, but not mm-hmm. just that, but then they justify it. And how damaging is this to kids who are growing oh, up and. They, they literally can't learn math. I mean, not that yeah. anybody knows math anymore anyway, because everybody uses calculators. And nobody, and, yeah, yeah, so, but, you know, it is actually important. And it's important that people learn that there are actually rules, that there are facts, there mm-hmm. are absolute facts. Not everything is subjective reality. Right. And I, I think that this is, a, this is by design, because this is part of the cultural Marxist and postmodernist uh, philosophy that they're trying to inculcate so that they can usurp uh can yeah for usurpation because yeah. if nothing means anything and if everything's fluid then they can tell you and convince you anything yeah i mean that and that's the the one of the things uh, one blessing that has come from you know the whole covid restrictions and everything okay. kind of shutting down has been the aspect of homeschooling beyond the race. i concur and that's one of the like my my wife and I we've we've homeschooled our kids for the last two and a half years at this point, so it really didn't awesome. you know change anything for us. But the uh, the thing that I've actually noticed when it comes to a lot of parents who have started homeschooling their kids um, before taking them out entirely was that they were actually kind of had an ear perked whenever they were on their Zoom classes for that day, and just hearing some of the things coming out of there was just like what. <laughs> Or the, like, how long have you been being taught this? Like, oh, this has been going on forever. It's like, 
we're taking you out. We're yeah, homeschooling we're, you. We're pulling you out. <laughs> and the thing is, though, is that, you know, homeschooling is not just a thing that's exclusive on the right. I mean, there are a lot more right-leaning homeschoolers than there are on the left. Yes. But those on the left are, are rising as well as far as homeschooling. And, you know, that I think is a good thing. We need more of that marketplace of ideas among all aspects of life, homeschoolers, public schoolers, you know, along the whole gamut there. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the, the fact is, I think the schools you know, have enough uh, left leaning. They, they pretty much dominated mm-hmm. it for the past time, literally century. So they, they, I think there's enough. Yeah. Well, yeah it's gotten it, bad it, since we, 1979. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would actually say, I mean, it, I think it really started with the Institute for Social Research at Columbia U- University. Yeah. Uh, you know, when William Munzenberg and uh, Antonio mm-hmm. Gramsci left and founded the Frankfurt School. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a hundred years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it just goes to show like, you know, it, and, th- and this kind of dovetails over what I have been kind of pushing for, you know, especially since um, the Obama second term, we need to have more people willing to step up, especially on the right, into entertainment and education. We need it. It's no longer, uh, oh, it'd, it'd be nice. No, it's a necessity now. Um, because that's the way we change the culture. It is through education and entertainment. And if we don't have more people um, on the right to battle the terrible ideas of the left, it's not going to get fixed. It's an uphill battle now because there are people who are finally starting to realize that. But at the same time, you know, there's still a lot of people who are like, you know what, it's not worth it. You can't really, I mean, at the very beginning of, of, uh, this show, you mentioned, oh, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's a lot of hard work in that regard, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not possible. And so, you know, it, I, I absolutely think it's a fight and a cause worth mm-hmm. fighting for. Um, it's one that I've certainly been, uh, you know, support it very, very supportive of for a very long time. Um, and certainly, you know, speaks to a lot of my, you know, uh, I, my whole passion diving into the Frankfurt School and, mm-hmm. you know, the the damage that those ideas have done. So I, and being an actress and a producer, I, it's something I am very, very passionate about. Yeah. But I think, and so certainly not to undermine, you know, that cause and that people absolutely need to get involved in education, in entertainment. Um, but I think that we're in a, very imminent uh, time where, you know, because they are censoring so heavily and because if, you know, we still have nine days, so I'm not going to be definitive about this, but if Biden is, you know, coronated and arrogated because I, he wasn't legitimately elected. So we will say it was an arrogation, you know? Um, But if they do, you know, execute that plan, then we know he's a puppet, you know, as you said, in just in terms of his, you know, health and his well being, but he's more than that. He's a, he's a, he's a puppet of communist, you know, China. China, And the CCP is a tool for the globalists. We know that. You know, they're using communism as a tool for, you know, the global the uh, world control, order. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that we we know that now, like that's pretty mm-hmm. public. Um, so my concern is, as, you know, insidious and nefarious as a lot of uh, Kamala Harris, if she becomes the, the next coronated <laughs> um, in line, <laughs> um, we, we know her policies will be quite detrimental to the nation. Uh, but my concern is that, 
if we are in a takeover position, you know, as you said, we're, how do we fight back? My thought has personally been, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I, I know there's been three motions now from mm-hmm. Texas and they are the only state that does actually have the clause and they could secede. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. You know, I, I don't have any uh, illusions of grandeur about anything <laughs> at this point. You know, <laughs> I, I'm very aware that we are in a uphill battle. Um, but I, I think it's something worth exploring. And what are your thoughts on it? Um, secession, uh, I'm kind of torn on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, history has this weird way of repeating itself. No. And so, you know, the the... I honestly have no problem if, like, say, like Washington or New York decided to secede first and see if that happens. Because, you know, what history has shown is that it's really kind of a toss back. I mean, let's face it, during the revolution, the 13 original colonies put out an article, like a giant article of secession in the form of the Declaration of Independence, George III. And then during the Civil War, all these different states got together to secede from the Union um, over slavery. And it it really is a a bit of a toss-up. I mean, are we going to have that kind of secession like what happened in 1776? Or is it going to be more like 1860? We don't know. And that's kind of my worry. A lot of people may try to paint it as more 1860 with the Southern Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Um, But honestly, I think when it comes right down to it, if Texas is somehow successful, there will be plenty of other states that will fall in line, particularly, I I think, with Republican legislation. I think there will be some states that will surprise us, even though they may have, um, say, Republican or Democrat executive branches. Mm -hmm. It's the legislatures that really ultimately have the power for that. And so I think what will probably end up happening is Georgia probably will stay put. Um, but I think Pennsylvania will join the secession movement. And I think you're right, actually. And that's the and that's the the major thing there. I, I hope and I pray that it doesn't necessarily come to that because if it does, there will be blood. And oh. and I don't want that to happen. Uh-huh. Um and the thing is that like we, we need but- to be yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm I, I am a pacifist at heart. Like I said, I'm not going to run from a fight, but I'm not going to start one. I, I no, I get it, and I, and I so support that. And that's I, the, but I think my concern yeah. is that I, I don't disagree with you that that yeah. would be that there will be blood. I'm not looking for blood. I'm not looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm certainly not. I'm the last right, person. Right. I, I will be killed in a fight. <laughs> so, you know, I'm pretty right. strong, but I'm pretty sure that like anyone who wants to take me out is going to. They're going <laughs> to. Um, so, you know, just, just saying it's not what I'm looking for, but. And I certainly, I don't, I don't want to see others die. Like, it's just, no. I don't mean to make light of it at all. Um, mm. You know, but it, it's just so overwhelming. I have no other response. Um, but I, I don't blame you for that. Like, yeah, we, we right. We all have our I, own little coping mechanisms. Like yeah, exactly. Um, but I think my, my concern is that I think that there will be blood either way. Yeah. And so I, my hope is what will preserve the free will of humanity i keep going back to that because it it really to me this really is a battle of good versus evil it's the battle of free will versus totalitarianism and that is good versus evil and so it's not that i want there to be i'm not looking for how do we fight that's not what i'm looking for but i'm looking for how ultimately if we can restore a republic we can restore a place for that stands for freedom 
Right. I, I think when it comes right down to it, we have to stand for the Constitution no matter where we are. And in yeah. the end, I don't think it's going to be in Washington. I really don't. The The corruption, the swamp is far too deep that I, I don't know even know if it can be drained. Um, and that's really kind of the, um, the st sticky situation that we have here. But in all honesty, I think when it comes right down to it, the Constitution will end up being safe, but it won't be in Washington. And we need to start looking for people who can stand where they are to hold it up and to save it by the time it gets to that point where it's hanging by a thread. Yeah, that, that, that's well said. I, I'm curious how you think we can do that. How do we stand for it? We stand for what's right. We stand for what's good. We stand for defense. We don't stand to attack. We we protect I, I, the things that we truly do love, and we don't, you know, demean others as as you know much as we would like to. I mean, let's face it. I mean, there there are things out of the playbook that we must be able to. Um, to take from them but at the same time we also have to there's a bit of a marketing plan i would say okay um we have to be able to market ourselves as the more desirable thing i mean trump as unpolished of a speaker that he was was an excellent marketer an excellent brander and we need to have that kind of know-how in order to reach people on an individual level. And we need more liberty-loving people in the local and state governments, in the <laughs> state executive branches, and then push for people that will actually stand for the Constitution, stand for freedom, stand for liberty, wherever they are at, and actually put them within the uh, positions of power in Congress. And I think a big part of that, too, would be to start advocating, first and foremost, to get rid of the lobbying efforts on K Street. If we were able to get rid of K Street, I think it would make our job a lot easier. I think that's true. Absolutely. Uh, that that's a really good point. I, I want to speak to something you said though when you said uh, you know you, you're you stand for defense as opposed to being offensive. Um, my concern is that uh, and we want to stand for people who stand for liberty and mm -hmm. put those people in power. My concern is that I think a lot of our liberties have been stripped. Yes. And at, at what point do we? what point is there a, a a hard line like what do we do because i personally think that all these covid sanctions people just went along mm -hmm. you know and i i was screaming back in like february march you know i i i saw the writing on the wall and yeah. to me this is I, I hate to keep going back to nazi germany but you know uh, it's for your health it's for your health i right. i made a i made a meme of i went to vegas you know so i could go like get a manicure and go to a restaurant like literally you know like mm -hmm. some things some things were open and uh you you know everybody there's smoking these people with their chin diapers and they're smoking <laughs> their cigarettes and my friend's pointing it out to me and she's like do you see this they have their mask mm -hmm. and they're smoking cigarettes and i turned to her and i said of course it's for your health you know? yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um and that, well, and that's a very tricky thing. A lot of people have been brainwashed to think that the government is there to help them. Right. When in actuality, it does nothing better than screw them over. Um, but what I mean by defense is yes. not by playing defense. We're, we're not Romneyites. You know, we're, we're not always on the back foot. You know, we are on the front foot and on the front lines of all of these. But if we see something is wrong, we step in to defend. We, d we do not 
attack without cause. And that I think is probably the, the biggest thing is that if people just left each other alone, we could just all just have policy disagreements and you know everything would be a lot better than it is now. But it's not to that point. It's not just policy disagreements anymore. Yeah. They're they're talking about complete and totalitarian rule over your lives, basically yeah. saying you are nothing more than an infant and you do not deserve to make any decisions about what you think is good, what your money ought to be spent on, or any of it. You need us to take care of that for you. And that is absolutely wrong. And we cannot be on the back foot any longer. We need to step forward and say, no, enough is enough. And we will stand in defense of our liberty, in, de in defense of our freedoms, in defense of our families and our faith. That is what I mean by defense. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we're, we're, again, we can't play the game like Romney does. No. We can't. No. Absolutely not. You, we, we've seen how that played out, and that, that that's not very good. Yeah, did you see them, the, like, chanting on the plane? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, I thought it was hilarious. I didn't necessarily think it was completely appropriate, but I thought it was funny. It was definitely I, funny. I really did, yeah. <laughs> it, it was amusing. I, I thought that was a little bit of, you know, that that's harmless kind of re revenge, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. In all honesty, like, Romney does deserve to be at the very least primaried, if not outright defeated in 2024. Like, there, there's absolutely, like, the only reason, and this, and this is really what's really kind of upsetting to me, mm -hmm. Romney is about as much of a grifter as John McCain was. John McCain went to Arizona for an easy political victory, and he was in the Senate for almost 40 years before he died. And I think that's ultimately Romney's plan when it comes right down to it, because when push comes to shove, he, you know, was not born or raised in Utah. I mean, he was born in Mexico, raised in Michigan and was governor of Massachusetts. Yeah, he went to uh, BYU for a while and got his bachelor's there. But let's be honest. I mean, outside of that and meeting his wife there, there's not really much more to it than that as far as his Utah tenure. And then he comes back to Utah in uh in 2015 um after a very disappointing and failed uh presidential run mm -hmm. and instead of fading into the background like he initially promised mm -hmm. he goes and runs for the senate and i'm sorry but it, it honestly makes me wonder if he actually still has his eyes on the white house but yeah. let's face it if he did were if he were to run again he would have to run like trump and even then, no one would believe him because one, he's damaged goods, and two, there no one trusts him over what essentially would be a backstab to his constituents here in Utah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about? So they're making we have nine days, and they're yep. trying to impeach and do twenty fifth amendment on Trump. <laughs> <laughs> nine um, days <laughs> yeah the the 25th amendment was blocked today um it was actually it was. Kind of amusing. okay it was i, I missed that okay yeah so it was actually kind of amusing because like like the very last motion like the entirety of the of the full house session lasted less than 10 minutes mm -hmm. and uh toward the tail end like the last minute and a half uh someone from virginia comes up I want to invoke articles of impeach or uh, motion to press for the 25th amendment because Donald Trump is no longer fit to serve in the presidency. And then all of a sudden someone from uh, West Virginia comes up. I object. The chairperson was like, okay, we'll reconvene tomorrow at nine o'clock. Gavel bang. I like, like, can't <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs> like that's 
all it was. And so there was. So it wasn't um, fully. I, I mean, they can. They're still gonna reconvene. Re- yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and, and the thing is, though, is it has. With to eight days the, left. <laughs> yeah, there's eight days left, and it still has to go through the House Judiciary Committee, yeah. and then it also has to be accepted by the Senate Judiciary yeah. Committee. Yeah. And I'm sorry, there's just there's not, not enough, enough time. time. There's not, there's not enough time for that. No. It's so ludicrous. It's so it ludicrous. is. And the thing is, though, is that it's it's all symbolic at this point. It's all just a very big, like, F you to Trump. Like, they don't, they, they want to say that they were able to stop Trump from completing a full term. And that's all their goal is at this point, I feel like. I, I don't necessarily feel that it's because, oh, they're they're scared of anything or anything like that. I think it's, you know, they're so apoplectic about this man who essentially broke the system in 2016 mm-hmm. that, you know, the they just want to make sure that he does not finish one full term. And I honestly think they're going to fail in that regard. And Trump may end up running again in 2024 and be the next Grover Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... You know, I, I think that'll probably he'll be both the 45th and the 47th president at that point. Well, it, that's if we still have a republic. And that that's a big if. I mean, they, they really did rig the election. This yes. is not, you know, that that's a really big if. Um, and I, I hate to entertain that just because I think there's so much that needs to be dealt with now. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly if we can clean things up and he can run, then great. I, I support it. It's not that I don't, but I just don't want to undermine the, you know, the ramifications of what has occurred right. and what that leads us to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, you said something interesting. You said you don't think it's that they're scared. Um, and, and I'm not even pointing to like the conspiracies around that, but right. I, I think that I, I would actually push back a little bit on this because I think he knows so much he is an outsider mm-hmm. he's an outsider who's an insider though you think right. about it i mean he's somebody who grew up at as one of the elites his whole life right you know mm-hmm. and it, as a very successful mogul and he so he's an outsider to dc but he's not an outsider to the elite club and so i i think he is privy to a lot and i think he I think we all can agree at this point, there's a tremendous amount of corruption. Oh, yeah. And I think he knows that and he has the the ability to expose it. And so I'm not so sure that they're not scared of that. Yeah, see, and that's the, I think if he were able to, uh, he would have done so already. I I don't necessarily know if he has any cards left to play at this point. Right, I but I, I, you don't right. think that that's that's what they're trying to stop is from him. Use- I think they, I think that he has tried. I do. I, that's I, my. I do think he has tried, and I think they they have stopped him. And I, it, I think they possible. It's yeah. possible, but at the same time, like you know, what would have stopped? What 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 would stop him after he after he leaves office? Like. And that's, you know, and, and that may play into like, well, that's why Twitter deplatformed him. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is that he's he's still ha- he's going to have other avenues. The only way that he's not going to have any other avenues is if no one and I mean, even RSBN will will run what he says anymore. Mm. And the thing is, is that like, you know, if you bring people up, I mean, 
I, I kind of brought this up earlier today. There's just some things that the mainstream media just can't ignore. They tried to ignore, for instance, the Lewinsky scandal, which led to the Clinton impeachment. Mm -hmm. um, but they couldn't because of Drudge. And there's just so many things that they have to pay attention to um, that it just it, it doesn't make any sense that they would just. I, I don't know. That, I think, you know, but even the Clinton era was a different time, though. They, the tech, True. you know, the, the tech overlords didn't have the same power that they have now. Um, and they didn't. And the media didn't have the same uh, cohesion. You know that they yeah. do now there just wasn't as many of them and they didn't have the same cohesive force that they do now so i don't know even clinton's era was actually a very different time yeah uh, than what we're witnessing now i think my question comes with he he has publicly stated that he would declassify can mm. then he motioned to make uh ezra the head of declassification right. who is a loyalist from what we can tell um and I think it's very interesting that no motion has been made. Right. And that, and that's, I honestly, like it's, it's very interesting. Honestly, I want him to declassify everything as well. There's a lot that really ought to be declassified. Um, and who knows? I mean, that may end up happening over the next, you know, 10 days or, or so. Um, but you know the the clock's winding down. I mean, he already approved uh, Mayor Bowser's request for additional troops for the inauguration. Yeah. Um. So I I think you know there there may be a sense there that yeah maybe it's just time to step away, let the dust settle, and then come back to you know reclaim everything in the next little while. We I don't know. Yeah. Um. But uh, and you're right. I mean that that is you know, dependent on whether or not we still have a republic at that point. Um, in, in all actuality, I wouldn't be surprised if after the inauguration, all this information comes flooding out. Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, Dominion actually did do all of this. There actually was election fraud. But thank the heavens it, there was because now we got rid of the orange man. I mean, that's what I think what we're, what will be the next media narrative point and the next leftist and never Trumper narrative point at that point. Because at, at you know we're, and it's very predictable. Yeah. Because when all this started, like back in back in November, it's like there's no evidence of fraud whatsoever. Okay, well there's evidence of fraud, but there's no evidence of widespread fraud. And then you know as as people actually start listening to this and, and everything like that, it'll get to the point where they say, okay, so there was fraud, but thank the heavens there was. I mean that's where I think the next media narrative point is going to be. So, wow. I, I, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Orange man bad. That that's mm -hmm. their running line. Yep. <laughs> that that seems to be all they have. Orange man bad. Yep. Wow. Well, so I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add? This no, I mean this is this has been fun. We should do this again. Um Yeah, I'd love I, to. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and that's the and that's the thing. I, I I really do enjoy having these types of conversations, not just with like minded people, but you know, even them. Like you push back on a lot of things. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um But uh yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, is that these types of dialogues are so, so important and I wish that oh, there were more of them. I just chill. um but yeah, like I said, I had a lot of fun here. Yay, I do too. And I, I do want to address that when you say the, you know, even with uh, d disagreements or, or discrepancies, because I've actually noticed that, and I talk to everybody, I talk to people on the left, <laughs> I talk to people on the right, I, you know, um, and I, I, I'm 
pretty vocal. So, you know, I keep my mind. So, um, but I've noticed that people on the right are much more open to discourse. They mm-hmm. don't have to agree and they still respect each other. I, I was on a, a Zoom call just with friends, you know, like like minded friends. Uh, yeah. I think it was uh, Saturday. And, you know, one of my, she's a very good friend of mine. She's like, I know you don't agree with me, Carney. But, and I was like, no, <laughs> I want to hear this, you know. And I, I love her, you know, and she's brilliant. You know, we just don't have to agree on everything. And sometimes somebody who I disagree with will share their perspective and I'll be, I'll think, oh, mm-hmm. interesting, you know, and maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I won't. But, but it definitely, two things that I, I I appreciate and respect and enjoy about it is one is that it may illuminate something for me. I may yeah. realize that I was wrong and you know, what a gift is that, you know, and I get to learn. And two, it may make me feel even more, uh, in, you know, confirmed in my belief, but I now will learn how better to articulate and communicate my thoughts. Right. Because when I talk to somebody who disagrees with me, I don't have to be uh, concise and precise in my word. You know, I don't have to be cogent in my arguments. They're, they're just going to agree. And it's just, you know, it's, it's like a verbal masturbation, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, right, yeah, right. you agree. Great. Okay. You know, but if somebody doesn't agree with me, I have to be, uh, I really have to think about how to communicate so that mm-hmm. I can, you know, make my voice and my perspective heard. So right. and that's a gift. So yeah, I appreciate it either way. Absolutely. But I find what I've experienced is people on the left won't even listen. They just shut it down. And and that's not fun. You know, no. it's not fun. to. There, there's no discourse in that. You know, I was on the debate team. Give me a good, healthy discourse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, so yes, I would love to do this again. Definitely. This was a blast. Tell people where they can find you and definitely go check out a show. Yeah. Um, it's Freedom's Future. Um, right now, it's being uh, streamed very occasionally on uh, Prof RB on YouTube. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Monty287. I was on Parlor before they shut it down as uh, Prof Redbeard there. Um, and, uh, you know, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, who knows? I don't, maybe that'll be resurrected someday. But yeah, uh, go ahead and look for me on those platforms and uh, we'll chat up there. Yeah, and we'll we'll chat again soon. All Thank right. you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>